0: The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. We've got Christopher Williams, who's going to join us on the program today. He's the superintendent of City of Seattle Parks and Recreation. Uh, he's going to share with us all the incredible things happening across uh, parks and rec uh, this summer. If you've been hoping for that, also a significant maintenance plan going on. You, uh, one of the things you've probably seen if you've been in the Seattle area is uh, our parks in a in a tough spot. Um, a lot of a lot of garbage, a lot of needles, things of that sort. Uh, he's going to talk to us about this maintenance plan. So we'll have the the head honcho with us to talk to us about what's going on with parks. Christopher, you oversee yeah. one of the one of the nation's best park systems, and uh, you've been doing it a long time, Christopher. I mean, what uh, did you did you start in the fifties?
1: Oh man, they tell me I was around when the Olmsted brothers laid down the foundation of the system in nineteen three. <laughs> But don't believe that.
0: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> no. Hey, we're on radio, but if we were TV, man, people would know how man, you 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 look, you don't look a day over
1: 32, man. Oh, well, you know, it's a good thing around radio because I've been told I have a face for radio.
0: <laughs> not true. Not true. I bet
1: you heard before, right?
0: <laughs> so, Christopher, we're so glad you joined us today. Sure. And I'll tell you there, there's so much, you know, we could, we could dive into, but, but I know that one of the things that you're excited about Christopher is, is the work that, that you and your team have been doing uh, around maintenance. A lot of people have been asking about, it's been a tough couple of years, right? No, no question yeah, about it. And, um, yeah. and you guys have been working tirelessly. I mean, I, I mean, I, there's been a couple of times you and I have talked and, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, and you're just heading home from the office. I mean, you, you've been putting oh, in yeah. some hours.
1: <laughs> we have been putting in the hours. You know, there's sort of this notion that Seattle Parks and Recreation, all they do is p- hand out basketballs, right? And that is so untrue. It is like a business like any other group of professionals. Um, you know, and I think what's interesting about the Park and Recreation Department is just the passion and sincere Source of pride, uh, sort of the stewardship responsibility is from the perspective of the employees and the people who work here. Um, You know, you you commented on uh, the fact that, you know, so over the course of the pandemic, you know, roughly two years, we did take a maintenance hit. Um, You know, we were focused on what were called mission essential services, and this meant that all hands were dedicated to multiple cleanings of restrooms and bathrooms and there was a hygiene function and we were servicing encampments and uh doing and doing cleaning uh and litter and garbage removal so a lot of the routine normal maintenance that makes our parks look aesthetically pleasing it's kind of deferred and you know we kind of kicked that can down the road a little bit not because we wanted to but also, because, in addition to the pandemic, we had a significant staffing shortage. Uh, we were down about eighty positions in our park maintenance uh, in our park maintenance line of business, and uh, we recently filled those positions. Uh, right now, we are focused on uh, what we're calling a park cleaning surge, and what does that mean? That means that our maintenance crews are dedicated to mowing because when the public drives by a park we want the grass to be low and we want it to have uh, a look uh, sort of a neat manicured look we want the trimming and edging to be done um, using what you would refer to as a weed eater because mowed grass doesn't look good unless it's string trim and cleaned up you know we don't want to have the Turf area mode, and then two feet tall grass around the benches and fence lines, and, and that sort of thing. So that you know, it might seem like a little thing, but is a really important detail in the appearance of our public parks. The other area that we're focusing on is graffiti removal. We are we have doubled down and have uh, increased number of staff dedicated to uh, just removing graffiti, and we are measuring this by how many square feet of graffiti. We remove on a weekly basis. I mean, imagine that being able to measure graffiti removal based on, you know, 30 square feet of, of graffiti removal or 40 square feet of graffiti removal in a week. So it's a big deal. And then, uh, fourth and fifth uh, key priorities during our peak operating season, we're always focused on litter removal and garbage collection. Uh, the public probably doesn't know or realize that the Seattle Park and Recreation Department has its own uh, garbage truck crew Uh, we have about eight packer trucks that go around all of the maintenance districts and empty garbage cans just like uh, the garbage men who come to your home and tip garbage cans so this is a really big deal on top of that is the enhanced focus on litter cleanup you know just that basic custodial look and feel of the park system where the grass is mowed Uh, Everything has been lined, trimmed, and edged. We get to graffiti within 48 hours. You know, an interesting thing about graffiti, there's a concept called the broken window theory, that the more things look unmaintained, then the more attractive it is to people who would do vandalism and attempt to degrade our public park system. So, you know, being on top of these basic custodial maintenance components uh, also, deter tier antisocial behavior and vandalism. So uh, these are our top priorities this summer. This maintenance surge is happening over the course of the summer. Uh, we're doing crew projects, just paying attention to a lot of the details. I remind the staff that we live in an urban city and, uh, you know, in urban spaces, there a lot of people don't have a yard or don't have a garden they expect their public park system to look a certain way and to have a neat aesthetic look and feel to it. And that's what we are committed to providing to the public.
0: Well, I know folks listening to this are, are certainly encouraged to hear the direction and where things are are going. And certainly, as I mentioned, you know, Seattle park system has been uh, one of the best in, in the country and, and, and folks hearing you, now are saying man yeah this is why uh this is why seattle parks has been one of the best in the country because of you know the leadership and the emphases that 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 you're providing and and there's and there's more there's more to share and and i I would love to uh, get into that here christopher when you think of uh, a few parks that perhaps took more um (laughs) took took more of the I don't know if, if damage or, or some of the struggles of the last few years and that maybe some people started to perhaps, I don't know, avoid or, or say, Hey, can, can you help here? And that people might be surprised about by how they look now. What do you, what do you think about?
1: Well, you know, Tim, I think that can be said for every park in the system. You know, I think one park, you know, well, is Denny park. And, uh, I think the uh, cleanup and transformation that park required probably a little over a year ago. You know, this is a park, of course, the Friends of Denny Park, a group you were part of, you know, had loved dearly. And, um, you know, it's an example of a park that took a hit during the pandemic with a whole range of behaviors there that didn't contribute to public use of the park. So I think the fact that we were able to restore that park, clean the park, maintain the park in a usable state for the public where it feels safe. Uh, there are people passing through the park, there are buskers, people are having lunch in the park is probably as good an example as any in our mm. system. Man, I like that's a great example, Christopher. Yeah. Well, like well you know, it's an important example because any park. Was among the first three parks uh, in the Seattle Park and Recreation inventory. It was uh, Denny Park was first. Uh, the Kinnear family on uh, Queen Anne donated Kinnear Park, and then third was uh, Volunteer Park. Those, those those were the first three parks that the people of Seattle owned. And it was very important, I think from a stewardship standpoint to restore any park, but all of our parks have that same sense of urgency. We want to restore them all. Yeah,
0: You, you mentioned the broken windows theory. I mean, how does that, is that controversial uh, in the city of Seattle, that, that theory, or is that kind of, in, is that kind of a known, known belief?
1: I think that is a known public safety standard, right? We work very closely with SPD, and there is a uh, management principle for public spaces called SEPTED. And SEPTED is an acronym which stands for Crime Prevention Through Engineering and Design. And uh, this is sort of at the heart of broken window theory, right? So, you know, you can prevent or reduce crime Uh, Just through simple acts of maintenance, you can prevent and reduce crime through design changes. You can mitigate uh, or reduce the uh, propensity for illegal behaviors occurring just by how you move and reorganize furniture or the activation and activities that you bring to a public realm space or a public park. So it's a real thing, and um, that's why activation... Uh, is always a part of our strategy for restoring parks. Mm. I
0: got to right.
1: believe.
0: I got to believe that our new mayor, Mayor Harrell, is is so thrilled to have you at the helm, and the, the institutional knowledge and kind of respect that you have around the city. He he must have just been so thrilled when when he got elected <laughs> to know that you're sitting in that in that oh, seat, oh, man
1: about that (laughs) well as i tell people i'm old as shoe leather and uh, i don't have any special superpowers other than i've just been around for a long time and just have seen a lot of change so the things i am regurgitating are there was of some experience that's all
0: when you think about the next you know two to three years and as it relates to parks and rec what 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 gets you excited? I mean, what, what do you really, I mean, when, when you've been in it, as long as you've been in it, certainly there's mm-hmm. probably the the, the the dog days of summer, right? Where uh, it's like, ah, oh, man, but there, but you're a guy who, who loves, who's got vision, who looks to the future. What gets you excited about the next few years?
1: Well, I think the uh, mayor and the council adoption of the next tranche of funding for the park district is something that's very exciting. You know, I think um, there are going to be some legacy opportunities here. You know, depending on what gets funded. So that's, you know, I think that's pretty exciting. I think uh, always uh, having a new superintendent come on board and bring their vision to the Seattle, the City of Seattle Park and Recreation Department, I think is important. I think that figuring out how to continue to serve an engaged community that, uh, you know, our park system are the source of a lot of civic pride for the people who live here. And, um, you know, the park system has this challenge of having to be all things to all people. We've got to have something for everyone to do. Uh, we've got to uh, cater to every interest and we've got to, um, uh, take on new recreational uses and activities and, um, serve everyone. So that is sort of what's challenging about this work is all the opportunity to do new stuff. So I think that gets me excited and I may be watching the department (laughs) do a lot of this work, you know, after retirement.
0: Mm. You know, one of the things that's coming online here shortly, we've talked about a couple of times on the program here, it's the large, it's being hailed. I don't, I haven't looked into the the, the actual data on this, I'm just kind of regurgitating what I've heard is that this is the largest civic project since the Seattle Center slash Space Needle, and that's the waterfront park.
1: Oh, sure, you bet. So that will be roughly a 3.2 mile lineal park. It, it you know, and you're right. It it is quite a transformation occurring on our waterfront uh, with the uh, removal of the viaduct. Uh, This is an opportunity for Seattle to reclaim our shoreline as a public park promenade on the waterfront. So um, there's a lot of excitement. I think what is really exciting about this that a lot of the public don't know is that the friends of the waterfront committed to raising $100 million of private fundraising and philanthropy to make this project happen. And, you know, They've just about pulled it off. They are pretty close to that number. So this is a huge civic project, and it is going to really put Seattle on the map. I think a lot of great shoreline cities are defined by their waterfront, and more recently by their waterfront restoration projects that have happened across the country. So Seattle will definitely be on the map, and we're excited about the opportunity to steward a new waterfront park.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. Wow. And some of it got delayed, though. Is that right? Because of the concrete strike that it's going to be a little
1: little later than, than previously thought? Yes, but I don't think significantly late. You know, I mean, I think we're still anticipating a 2024 grand opening and ribbon cutting. We're excited about 2024 and being out with the mayor and the council and the friends of the waterfront hosting a ribbon cutting. That's exciting. So so yeah.
0: exciting. And then next year, Christopher, you've got something that's that you're gonna be hosting in Seattle. That's gonna be kind of a yeah. fun a fun event.
1: Yes. Yeah. So actually that's in twenty twenty four also. That will coincide with the dedication of the new waterfront. And there's a big urban parks conference called the Greater Greener Conference, sponsored by the City Park Alliance, which is sort of the preeminent Association for the major urban park departments across the country. There are about 30 of them across the United States. And uh, every two years, we get together and host a huge conference with uh, public park and recreation professionals, planners, landscape architects, people who work in nonprofits related to public park and recreation programming and services, and uh, just the whole. Ecology, uh, public realm, public park, uh, supporters, planners, organizers, leaders, uh, will come to Seattle in 2024 and we are co, rather we are chairing what's called a local host committee. So Seattle parks is, uh, pulling together a committee of maybe 35 community leaders who, uh, are uh, banning with us to uh, show off Seattle to the rest of the country in 2024. And we imagine there will be uh, probably 3,500 people here for that conference. My goodness sakes.
0: How, how exciting is that, Christopher?
1: Yeah, it's got huge economic development potential for the city.
0: So neat. So neat. Christopher, yeah. you're, man, You man, you've just been doing incredible work. And man, I just... Think about all the opportunities that are before uh, this region. It's pretty exciting. If anyone was listening and they said, "Hey, I, I've, I have, I'd love to maybe be involved. I'd love to maybe be a volunteer." I know, I know your your uh, park board commissioners. They're they're volunteers, and sometimes you're looking for new commissioners. What what are some of the opportunities for folks?
1: Yeah, so there are a ton of opportunities. People can go to Seattle.gov. And, you know, you can go to our website and you can look up volunteer opportunities. We have 27 community centers. You could volunteer at the community center closest to your home. You can be a youth basketball coach. You can volunteer in our natural areas, do environmental stewardship work in our public parks. There are just as many volunteer opportunities in this system that one could think of, probably more than you might imagine. So... We encourage everyone who's interested to go to our website and uh, just search for those opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Now, if you were to yeah. pick one park, Christopher, I know this is a tough question here. If let's say uh, this this weekend, uh, it's Saturday, you can pick one park to go
1: to. What do you, What do you go to? I'm going to Discovery Park. Really? And the reason I go to Discovery Park is because. It is a park facing uh, Puget Sound, looking out over the Olympics. But what is unique about Discovery Park is you can turn and face slightly northwest and look behind you, and all you see is a stand of old growth forest. You'll have no idea you're even within the city of Seattle. You can't see any tall buildings. It literally looks like you're in a forest overlooking the sound, wow. like, like you're on a peninsula or something. So that's, that's my favorite parks, all time favorites.
0: And and there's so many new people here in, in the region that, uh, you know, they may not know about discovery park and and maybe they need to discover it. And there's so many incredible parks uh, around the region. And i tell you, Christopher, we're, we're so thankful for your leadership and thankful for all you do. And uh, thanks for coming on the program and sharing these uh, exciting updates
1: with us. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much, Tim, for the opportunity. That's Christopher
0: Williams, Superintendent of City of Seattle Parks and Recreation. And thanks again, Christopher, for joining us.